Uh, at least the English footballers do. Uh, the English soccer fans, they have a saying about hope. Do you know it? The, the English World Cup follower will be quick to tell you that it's the hope that kills you. It's the hope that kills you. England hasn't won a World Cup since 1966. England, the nation that invented the game of football, soccer, the, the country that has the Premier League, the best soccer league in the world, so much talent, such a devoted fan base, so much hope, and yet England hasn't won a World Cup in almost 60 years. It's the hope that kills you. It, it may be hard for us to identify with that. Alabama has won about a dozen national championships in the last 60 years. But just imagine for a moment that you are a pre-2022 Georgia football fan. Imagine that. Ever since 1980, your hopes would rise. Maybe this year. Maybe this will be the time we go all the way. We've got the recruiting, we've got the fan base, we've got the money for the athletic program. All the pieces are there. For 40 plus years, hopes would rise only to be crushed very often by that team who had already won more than their fair share of national championships. Before 2022, Georgia fans would have agreed with the English that it's the hope that kills you. But... As the Georgia fan will tell you today, there are hopes that do pay off. There are hopes that are worth the wait. There are hopes that are life-giving instead of soul-crushing. The question is, do we have the right hope? Do you have the right hope? Christmas time confronts us every year with this question. Are we going to put our hope in places that kill us? Or are we going to put our hope in the only person who can save us? It's the most wonderful time of the year, but Christmas time can crush you if your hope is not in the right place. In our Advent passage today, we were going to see four instances of hope connected with Christ's birth. We were going to see Joseph's hope, and then Mary's hope, and then Israel's hope, and then the world's hope. But Saturday nights in my sermon editing process, if you don't know this, the last thing I do on Saturday nights, I go through the sermon again. I'm usually cutting things out. Uh, it's, like, it's like I'm doing a, a whittling of the stick. I'm cutting off a lot of the pieces so that it'll be as sharp and pointy as possible. Uh, and as I was doing that, I was having one coughing fit after another. I said, okay, may, maybe three points instead of four. And then I'd, I'd, I'd cough some more. And so, okay, maybe just two points. Uh, and then finally I said, okay, let me just see if I can get through one. One point. So today I, I've left myself time for tea and coughing breaks. But if I can make it through without needing those this morning, then you will possibly hear the shortest sermon you'll ever hear me preach today. I really expected to get an amen at that point. <laughs> today, thank you. Today, we're going to focus on just one thing. Just one thing in our text. The hope of Joseph. 
the hope of Joseph, which is a hope broken and forged anew. The hope of Joseph, a hope broken and forged anew. Look with me again at verses 18 and 19. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Now just put yourself in Joseph's shoes. You're betrothed to be married. You're engaged and filled with all kinds of hopes and dreams about a future married life. But just as your wedding registry is finished and the save the date invitations have gone out and you put down that non-refundable deposit on that wedding canopy, you get the news. Your fiance is pregnant. She's carrying someone else's child. The news hits you. And it's like a ton of adobe bricks has just been dropped upon the happy home that you hoped for. In an instant, your hopes lie there smashed and broken to pieces. It looks like your fiancé has been unfaithful. It looks like the hope you had for the future has all come crumbling down with one bit of news. I wonder today if you can relate, if you can relate to Joseph. Did you have hopes for the future? Hopes for a romantic relationship that all went away. Hopes for a happy marriage that all came crushing down. Did you have hopes for life, for retirement, that all got upended by one moment of bad news, by that cancer diagnosis, or by news of that car accident, or the company that unexpectedly did away with your job? Perhaps you can relate to Joseph today all too well. You've had your hopes dashed. You've known what it's like to have a hope and see it broken to pieces right before your eyes. Even a five-year-old child knows what this is like, to hope for something and have your hopes crushed. Christmas morning came, and there's no puppy under the tree. There's no pony in the yard. There's no Oscar Mayer weenie whistle waiting for you to open. It's enough to destroy your faith in Santa Claus right there. We all know to varying degrees what it's like to have a hope broken to pieces. Some of us have even known something very close to Joseph, his dashed hopes. A marriage ended before it's begun. 
a relationship that you thought would last for a lifetime slips away in a moment. What do you do in such circumstances? What did Joseph do? He did the best he knew to do in a bad situation. Look again at verse 19. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man, not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. Joseph could have publicly decried his fiancée as unfaithful, letting Mary bear all the consequences, all the fallout. But instead, God says righteously, nobly, Joseph chose to alleviate the consequences by taking some of those on himself. To deal with the matter quietly meant a lot of painful and awkward interactions for Joseph. Every time someone asked him about Mary, when's the big day? There would be this fresh stab of pain, fresh salt rubbed in the wounds to deal with this matter quietly. Joseph knew that it would cost him, and he acted nobly. Joseph dealt with his broken hopes by being the bigger man, by absorbing much of the pain and cost, even on behalf of the fiance he believed had betrayed his trust and love. There are certainly bad and vengeful ways to deal with broken hopes, right? You see them. It's tempting to get back however you can at the person who has hurt you, but Joseph didn't. He dealt with a broken situation in the best way he could. But, as William Cooper so poetically said, behind a frowning providence, there lies a smiling face. What seemed like only bad news, God has brought to an end better than any Joseph could have imagined. Look again, verse 20 and 21. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." Joseph's brittle hopes for married life, the hopes that a moment ago lay broken on the ground, God picks them all up. He picks up the broken pieces and he forges them into something better, something much better. He gives Joseph a reforged hope, stronger than diamonds and more precious than gold, a hope now infused with the diamond strength of a promise, a promise that will change the world, a, a, a hope that is infused with precious gold of God's redemptive purposes. It's like God took Joseph's fragile hopes, what's the best he could have hoped for? A, a marriage that would last 40, 50, 60, 
70 years of marital happiness. That was dashed, that was broken. God picks that up and infuses into that an element of the eternal. This child will save the world. In Tolkien terms, if you wanted them, it's like God took a minor precious metal like copper and reforged it with mithril, making it something far more beautiful, far more enduring, far more resilient, far more valuable than the original hope that Joseph thought was broken and gone. Not only is your life not broken, Joseph, but now it has a meaning beyond what you can imagine. I wonder if here too you can relate to Joseph this Christmas. You've had hopes that were broken. Perhaps you have a heart that has been broken by others, by relational hurt, by a betrayal of trust. I hope for you that Christmas comes with the reminder of this good news. Christ has come to mend what was broken. At Christmas, we celebrate that a king has come, and with the coming of the king, the blade that was broken has been forged anew. The hope that was shattered has been reforged, stronger and better than it was before. Whatever your frail hopes were, Christ comes and gives you a stronger hope based on better promises. Promises made by one who will never break his word, who keeps forever his covenant of love. Christmas comes every year like the annual renewal of a promise. You hate the month of your annual tag renewal, don't you? Because it means a trip to the DMV. No offense, Alan. No offense at all. Sorry. You, you, you tend to dislike that, but you should love the month of Christmas because it comes like the annual renewal of a hope and a promise. It's the promise that all your hopes that were broken to pieces will be forged anew in the fire of Christ's love. You may be approaching this Christmas with a long history of broken relationships and broken promises. Christ says to you today, it is for you that I have come. I've come to gather up all that was broken and make something beautiful from it. Make me your greatest hope and treasure this Christmas. You may be coming to this holiday season and it's your first Christmas without a loved one. The first Christmas without mom or dad, sister or brother, husband or wife. 
your hopes of long life and unending fellowship with them have been broken. Christ says to you this Christmas, it is for you I came. And it is for you I will come again. I came the first time and set many families at odds with one another. But I will come again and restore the fellowship that the grave took away. Put your hope in me, for I am stronger than death, and I was born to overcome the grave. If you know Joseph's hope in all its brokenness, Jesus would have you know today that all such broken hopes can be mended. In the fire of Christ's advent, hope can be forged anew. And actually, be better for having been broken. When you combine your old hope of love and intimacy and fellowship that has been broken with the new hope of a Savior who promises you love and intimacy and fellowship with God and with one another. When you combine those together, then what was broken before becomes something better. The old broken hope is forged anew, and the result is a better, brighter hope. The hope of eternal life with God in a world without brokenness. It's the hope that kills you, the Englishman says. It's the hope that kills you, but only if that hope is misplaced. In a dying world full of misplaced hope, Christmas calls us back. Christ calls us back to a hope that doesn't kill, but gives new life. This Christmas, lay down at the foot of the manger all your broken hopes. Present them like the gifts the wise men brought. And watch, watch how Jesus transforms them into something vastly more precious than they were before they were broken. See him reforge all your broken hopes into a crown of precious gold. One hope only do you need now. And he is the only hope that is truly unbreakable. Let's celebrate that hope as we celebrate this Christ, this Christmas season. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace. For your grace in this word we have heard of hope broken, but a hope that can be mended and forged anew. Lord, we all here 
represent many broken hopes in life, many that were dashed, but in Christ we look to see all that was broken mended. Lord, may Christmas come to us this year as a fountain of fresh hope in a king who, whose hands are the hands of a healer. Lord, may we see him mend all that was set wrong in our life, all that was broken. May we come to him for healing. And may we celebrate this Christmas as the foretaste of that promise. Christ has come. He has saved his people from their sin. He has saved us. May we have a hope, not just in salvation from sin, but in a world made right and restored to the King. May we be proclaimers of that hope and that gospel this Christmas season in our homes, with our families, and to the ends of the world. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.